0: I'm big on using the term. We've got to make our life a good story. So I'm—I know my preface and introduction and my first 40 chapters are probably written. So what am I going to do in chapter 41? You know, I'm, I want that to be a good chapter. That's how we got to view it. Uh, right? We got to make our life a good story.
1: Pickleball is the fastest-growing sport in the United States. LeBron James, Michael B. Jordan, Tom Brady, and Drake have all made sizable ownership investments in pickleball teams. One of them needs to get today's guests on the roster because Owen Mitchell won first place at the 2023 National Senior Games in Pittsburgh. He's also won the Florida State Championship for his age group in four out of the past five years. For him, winning is a goal, but not the goal the sport has helped him find a purpose. And he thinks that's one of the keys to happiness in retirement. We also spent time talking about his devotion to faith, his love for family, and the marriage seminars that he and his wife lead throughout the year. I mean, this guy is a man of action. He's hiked the Inca Trail in Peru. He's gone to the bottom and back of the Grand Canyon twice. He's hiked Mount Whitney, which is, you know, the tallest mountain in the continuous 48 states, and so much more. Owen Mitchell thinks about his life as a story. And as you'll hear, he's writing a real page turner. Do you ever wonder who you'll be and what you'll do after your career is over? Wouldn't it be nice to hear stories from people who figured it out, who are thriving in retirement? I'm Ryan Doolittle. After working with the Retire Sooner team for years and researching and writing about how they structure their lifestyles, I know there's more to be learned. So I'm going straight to the source and taking you with me. My mission with the Happiest Retirees podcast is to inspire one million families to find happiness in retirement. I want to learn how to live an exceptional life from people who do it every day. Let's get started. Okay, Owen Mitchell, thank you so much for joining us on the Happiest Retirees podcast. Thank you. So we were just speaking a little bit before we started here, but I I, I didn't want to get into all the good stuff before uh, we were recording, so... Tell me a little bit about yourself. You're 66 years old, right? Yes, sir. Okay. We found you because we were looking for people who loved pickleball. And to say you love pickleball is kind of an understatement. So tell me, tell me some of your pickleball bona fides.
0: So I've been playing seven years. I do have a tennis background. I play college tennis at a smaller NAIA school. But with a lot of success, our team had a very good or run while I was uh, playing there. And I really, I'm in a Central Florida where actually pickleball is very popular now. But when I first started playing, there was maybe only three courts in the area. And I was driving by one day, saw it and showed up and really on day, day one, day two, fell in love with it. The very first tournament I played in, I lost 11-0, 11-1, and I went back with my partner and I said, hey, we don't know how to play pickleball. I said, <laughs> nobody in our area has ever played, so all these nuances, if you watch it on TV now, you can just pick up very quickly what's important, we had to come back and learn how to play. The upside of that is I learned how to play, and some of those people that beat me 11-0, 11-1, I now can compete with and beat them, so... It took a while to kind of reach that level, but as far as accolades, I won a few state championships in Florida and probably biggest thing I I came in first at Pittsburgh this year at the senior game national championship. So that was back in July.
1: And that's, it was in the top category too, I, I believe, right?
0: So pickleball is like a lot of things, you know, where you have a rating. So I, you know, you start out with really a three zero rating, kind of lowest you can go, and it goes up to four point five five zero for my age group. So I competed in that in that age group category, and there uh, there were uh, thousands of people there playing pickleball in that national championship from every age fifty and above. Divided by five years. So I'm in a 65 to 69-year-old category right now. So I, I think it's safe to
1: say you you would beat those people who beat you when you first started playing, right?
0: <laughs> Definitely play them closer. These guys are good, too. They're some of the same guys I'm still competing against. Uh, oh, I live okay. very close to an area called the Villages. I don't know if you've heard of the Villages. It's I famous have. even nationwide. So they probably have more pickleball ports per capita than any other place in the nation. So I usually will go over there once or twice a month. And there's 25 guys that are extremely equal to my ability. So it's always great play, kind of a great way to test your skill by going over to the villages.
1: Wow. So the villages are sort of like an Olympic village of pickleball talent.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: (laughs) I'm imagining all the all-stars are just there, just you know, sharpening their skills. I'm I'm going to beat you this year type of thing. Yes, sir. <laughs> so would you say so on, on this podcast, we really tried to hammer home the idea of core pursuits because our research shows that the happiest retirees have about three and a half core pursuits, uh, which we define as those hobbies that kind of get you out of bed in the morning, you know, not not just something yes, sort of like something you really like. Is pickleball your number
0: one core pursuit you'd say? I would say it's in the top three or four. I I try to do things daily. I care for my wife's parents. They're 91 and 93. They live two doors down from us. So that's important to me. My wife and I do marriage ministry. So I usually do something daily of reaching out to people, checking on them, setting up events. I go to the gym. Four to six times a week. My wife is also involved in that. When you become Medicare, and that's actually an important topic for this thing, all those things become free for you. You know, the silver sneaker, silver and fit. I can go to Orange Theory for free eight times a month. I can go to my gym every day for free. So, all those things are included in that 66 and a half, 65 when you become. Eligible for Medicare. A lot of people don't know that, but they can start going to these places that they had to pay a fee for. So that's part of my daily routine. I, I would say if, I, if the weather is good, I would play pickleball seven days a week, wow. but normally starting at 6 30 in the morning and done by nine o'clock. So uh, in the morning. So really, yeah. I've kind of gotten my sweat, you know, good feelings about life, you know, kind of starts the day and then I can do other things uh, trying to be productive. I'm part of a church group in this area too. So I try to do things with that group also on a, a daily, weekly basis. So when
1: you reach Medicare age, or maybe it's when you sign up for Medicare, you that's when you're able to go to Orange Theory and various gyms for free? Is that what you said?
0: Yes. Yes. 65 years old. When you get that card, you can take it to these institutions and they'll have a list of Different things qualify for different things. But I had no trouble right off the bat taking my card in. The guy said, yes, I think it's actually a benefit to those places. I was paying, you know, a certain fee per month. But the guy where I went to, I'll just say this. He said, every time you check in, I get $5. And I'm thinking, shoot, I'm going 20 times a month, let's say. So he's getting a lot more money from me because, but it's a benefit. Probably against your health insurance because you're staying healthy, right? Oh, so I'm, right. Not gonna be, uh, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be a drag to my insurance because I'm staying healthy because they've given me this benefit. They're but they're a, paying on the front. It's a great end. thing. Yeah. are yes.
1: Okay. They saves them money on the back end. That makes sense. Okay. But it's great no, for it's you because you love working out anyway, right? I mean,
0: I was already going. I'd already been uh basically doing that since I was 56 years old. I, I wasn't a big weightlifting guy, uh, early in life, more into aerobic, running tennis. I know you're a tennis player also. You can appreciate that, which means you'll be a good pickleball player on day one. Also, because of your, your good. uh, I read your, I read your article. I know you, uh, (laughs) I know you hit the tennis mall. Oh, thank you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I do love tennis and I, and I've been meaning to play pickleball. I just, I have a one-year-old son and so I don't have a whole lot of free time yet, but it's, it's on my list.
0: (laughs) So, so interesting. Yesterday, I I had my 12 year old and my 14 year old grandsons out playing. And now, my 14 year old, he can really be a dominant force against most of the older people that I'm playing with. He's not ready for the highest level yet, but already at 14, their hand speed, you know, God gave us this great brain. Like I call it quick twitch. Yeah. And you see the ball coming, and like every day, you say, how am I going to get better at this? But your brain, just like you're getting things you don't normally get because your quick twitch just improves. I say that's such a benefit for my age category because you would think at 66, I would start falling off the mountain, right? You know, getting worse. It hasn't happened yet. I've actually still continued to get better from when I started at 59 just because I think the God-given quick twitch that we have at some and you know, I'll call you and say, hey, I ain't got it anymore, right? You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to get worse, but it hasn't happened yet.
1: That's amazing because I do feel like you get or we all get smarter. I don't know if that's the right word, but as we get older, you know, maybe maybe our body was faster before, but now it's, so you see in sports, you know, maybe the veteran on the team in basketball or something is they see the court better, even though they're not as
0: yeah, fast. Good point. Yeah.
1: yeah. So maybe some of that's playing into pickleball, but I, I know what you mean too. Sometimes my brain would click and I would do something like throw a pass and I'd be like, I didn't even know I could do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's exactly right. Good. Good point.
1: <laughs> okay. So, so, Owen, oh, you, you live in Eustace, you have two kids, two adult children and two grandkids, right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. And you live, do they all live close to you? The two kids and the, and the grandkids, obviously.
0: So yes. And then no, I'm in a pretty fortunate spot. My daughter purchased my mother's home. My mother died in 2014 and I kept the house for a while. Then I sold it to my daughter and my son-in-law. So they're two miles away. So I've kind of ensured that they're going to be close to me. I see my daughter and grandchildren almost daily. My son-in-law, they're able to come over for Thanksgiving this week. Oh, great! My son and daughter-in-law and they've both been married 15 years they got married in the same year 2008 so they're working on their 15th year. They live in uh, north shore of Hawaii. Oh wow. So good and bad obviously I, I, I we are able to go for 15 to 20 days each year to Hawaii. They've been there We'll, we'll go for our third trip next year since they've been there they work at a christian camp my my daughter is the is the manager there my son-in-law i mean my son is the property manager great jobs but we'll swim and snorkel and play pickleball every day i mean it's some of the best areas cuz they they've been there long enough now to know all the local knowledge so free stay we always try to get churches we even make deals with churches to try to speak so we've gotten to speak both times we've been to Hawaii, we've spoken at a church, trying to line that up. We're going next September, already Already having it on our calendar. And usually we'll go visit one other island. You know, We'll, we'll go to Maui or we'll go to uh, Kauai while we're there for three or four days. So I guess I'm blessed, but I'd, re- I'd love to see my son. I love him a lot. He's a phenomenal guy. I'd love to see him more than once a year. Uh, we do have a family cruise planned. In January, okay. they're going to fly in, so we'll do eight days together, going out of Port Canaveral. Oh, that's so that, that's great. something okay. we're looking forward to. Yeah. So our, yeah. our family, we get along, we're close, everybody. Uh, no, no, no tension. Really fortunate in my, I, you know, I speak with a lot of people that don't have good family situations, and I always say you just got to try to work it out right. You know, at this age, you want to try to have that kindness and compassion toward each other.
1: Yeah. Well. I think that's amazing that you, well, that you live really close to one of your kids. And then you really, yes, it sounds sir. like you make a great effort to see your son, even though you live so far away, you still get to yes, spend sir. some quality time. Is he, is he on Oahu? Is that, is that yes, the North sir?
0: short? So that, yes, sir. The main island is right, right there. Yes, sir. Okay. So I haven't mentioned it yet, but I I really have an amazing wife. I I know I shouldn't, I should have started the podcast by saying (laughs) that. Um, It's okay. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So really all the, all the things I'm accomplishing through God and Jesus was my blessing to get her as my wife, you know, and she makes things so convenient and uh, kind on a daily basis. So one of the things I know we've talked about this retirement, she was able to stay at home during our entire marriage. And, uh, wow. I I say manage the home. Both our children were three sport participants and starters in in most cases. So we had to go to a lot of events and she did a phenomenal job of managing that and also doing our ministry. Our ministry, a lot of times a man is kind of a key speaker if you're doing a ministry, but in our case, we both 50-50. So she's a very gifted speaker and all our stuff. When we go to a seminar that's six hours, she speaks half the time. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. It's a team effort. Team effort makes it fun. We found our I call it our rhythms. You know, you have to have a rhythm if you're gonna spend that much time with somebody. You have to have fine things like kind of like that you're gonna do together, but you also have to have a little bit of time to do things without each other too. And just have key words that help you get along.
1: Is one of you the straight man and the other one's the comic? You know, <laughs> how do you do it?
0: You know, I say, I think we both learned that being what's the word, being facetious does not work in our relationship or making fun does not make that I see couples that do that we're we're very uh like kind-hearted toward each other and not making fun of each other type that works in our relationship. So, uh yeah, yeah. I,
1: I would say it seems to be working so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well that's fantastic and so you both do the marriage seminars together, right? That's, that's a lot of the yes, engagement, right? How did you even get into that? How, how does someone? Good start question. Eating?
0: So in 98, 1998, we attended a conference at that same place that we we're just talking about the Rosen center next to the civic center. Okay. And we heard a guy speak about teaching classes locally at your church. And I said, Hey, that kind of would fit in something we're trying to do. And we could do it together. So we started doing that. We led a class. It's an eight-week class, and I'll try to make it quick. But over the next 20 years, we led that class 23 more times. So it's something that we continue to do locally at our church. So then we had a company that saw, that found us kind of, that we were doing, leading those classes and said, we'd like for you to train couples nationwide to lead those classes. So we started About 10 times a year, we would go for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a 15-hour seminar. And we would, let's say, fly to Texas, fly to California, fly to North Carolina, fly to Nashville. And we would lead that 15-hour weekend with, let's say, 15 couples there from various churches. And then they would go back and teach that class at their church. So part of that, we started getting our confidence. Like, hey, we're we're starting to learn, we're starting to do, and we kept being asked this question: Do you have anything shorter? You know, this is like eight weeks, and uh, this facilitator training is long. Basically, I feel like God through the Holy Spirit just gave me knowledge of put these different pieces together, come up with an interactive seminar. So nine years ago, I had a church in. Fort Myers, Florida, called me and the guy said, hey, I came to your training. Do you have anything shorter? We want you to have you guys in and do something shorter. And I just said to him, yeah, we got something. So I hung up the phone. I went to my wife and I said, hey, we're going to Fort Myers in two months and do the seminar. She said, well, we don't have anything. I said, we got it. We got it. I, I just believe we got it. So from that point, we developed it. We put the PowerPoint to it, came up with six hours of information, led it. 32 couples came. Two of them were preachers from another church, and this is how I felt like I got confirmation. Those two preachers came up after the seminar and said, we've never been to anything like this. You didn't judge us. You showed compassion. You kept it fun. I didn't feel like you gave us 84 things to do. Uh, You kept it simplistic. And. So now we've led that just it started the ball rolling so in the past nine years now we've led that seminar about 93 times Wow we had we had 19 events this year some of those trainings some of those I call it reconnect weekend is the title of our seminar already for next year we have 18 events one being in LA so we're coming in LA Th-
1: that's the one you mentioned that's in near Pasadena
0: We were in Pasadena this past year, but we're coming to, I'm not sure where, I I realize LA is a big area, but when I find out, right, I'll, I'll, I'll be specific where the location is, but we are in May or first week of June coming, coming to LA this year.
1: Oh, fantastic. uh,
0: 2024. Yep. So that's, that's a little nutshell of how we got started.
1: Well, I love, I love how you say you kept, you keep it simple because I could imagine people going to this or any conference and. If it's too much, they might get overwhelmed and think, well, I'll never be able to pull this off, but you keep it in yes, a sir. way where they, they think, oh, I can, I can do that. You know, cause life is kind of a one step at a time business, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We learn from each other. So we, we, we never speak for more than about 16 to 18 minutes at a time before we do some type of activity, ask the group a question, watch a video. So it's not, you know, you go to conferences sometime and someone's just preaching or speaking to you for six straight hours and you take notes. It's not that type of seminar. It's an interactive seminar.
1: And that that pays off better for everyone, I would imagine.
0: Hope so. That's, that's, yeah. that's what our hope is anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's take a look a little bit at, at your life. You, yes, sir. Your primary career, I think you worked 25 years as a store manager for Scotty's. Which is kind of like a like a Lowe's or or correct me if that's not that's what exactly it's like. right. Okay,
0: no, it's, it's exactly what it was like. Had a great great position of store manager, sometimes managing more than one store, but most of the time, one store with maybe eighty to ninety employees. But had had opportunity. I think this is important to for retirees to hear or people working that I chose not to go to higher positions you know, mm-hmm. offered district manager, offered regional manager type thing, turned all those down because the money at the store manager level was, was fair, but it enabled me to go to every one of my children's activities. So if they had wow. a volleyball game at 2.30 in the afternoon, I had been at the store. The last store I was at, I was at 17 years. So I could just, I had people that I had trained that if I needed to leave, so it wasn't some manager jobs are really all encompassing where you're just killing yourself, but this had become a very manageable thing. So I took less money to basically have more time with family, but it still ended up being like, uh, I, I call it a good money-making job. Um, I don't think you knew this cause I don't, I don't, you know, we hadn't talked about it, but I was able to pay my house off at age 44. So I took a, 15 year mortgage when I was 31 years old, 31. And I paid extra each month, and I'm still living in the same house. I paid it off in 13, a little over 13 years with a job that I had. So at age 44, once you don't have a house payment, your life changes drastically because all of a sudden you have this big lump sum of money that you've been putting in that you can save, 401k it or however you want to use it, but things become much easier. So we've, we've never moved out of our, with 34 years in the same house. So it's, that's been a real blessing. Yeah.
1: Well, I, that's incredible too. So you, in your career, you actively turned down certain promotions that would have paid even more. And, and for good reason, cause you got to spend time, more time with your family, but, but even with that, money situation, you were still able to pay off your mortgage (laughs) early. So you must, you must really be an effective budgeter or
0: tell me more about how you were able to do that. So again, I married a good woman. She's frugal. Also, we, we, we make a good team as far as, you know, you can go back to even simplistic things. My wife started cutting our hair earlier. So she cut all three of us. We, we, If you start adding that up over 30 years, the amount of money that you save, just not going out to eat quite as often as like the world does, right? Just make a decision to eat healthier, stay at home. I would say, you know, Dave Ramsey is a good guy. I don't know if you like me mentioning him on your show, but the Dave Ramsey method is very tried and true. If you're willing to spend cash for vehicles, not have depreciation, or at least not have big depreciation. So we've always found good values, like in vehicles. I haven't had a car payment in like 26 years. So that changes everything too, when you're not having to have a car payment. Your insurance payments are lower when you're driving a used vehicle. You just have to be careful. Like, you know, people are going to have stories. Hey, I bought this vehicle and it was a lemon. I understand that. I, God has blessed me to find. I was always careful in what I shop for and really never had any trouble, big trouble with any of the used vehicles that, that I'm driving. I, I'm driving a 2010 van now, and I love it. It's doing me well,
1: well. Nowadays, you can buy a used car that's sometimes it's certified by the dealership or, sure. you know, these sure. cars are they They run well, better than they used to. Oh, so, okay. So this is incredible to me. So I can't, I mean, I can't believe to pay off your mortgage that early is is very exceptional uh, and inspiring and it makes sense that you if you don't the less bills you have you know the more the further your paycheck goes essentially right so uh, yes, now sir. because you were able to do that and i don't know if you're doing this during those primary working years or or if it came later but you're you're now able to travel extensively multiple trips abroad with your current financial situation
0: so i don't know what exact year it was in i I know the company I, i work with i won a trip one time and it was to paris i'm gonna say it was in the mid 90s and we had not been out of the country at that point um we went to paris 10 days got back and said oh my goodness that was great and it wasn't that hard and from that point on We figured out traveling in off season, I used points quite a bit. I was able to generate points from my job and different things. So some of of my flights were free. We started going to Europe every year. And then we got on this kick, uh, brother, where we started going to the national parks. And that became a really big deal. So we've been to Yellowstone maybe five times, Yosemite three or four times, Grand Canyon three or four times. All the main ones, the top I'd say the top fifteen or twenty, we've been to at least once and multiple times, off season travel. And it was much less expensive back twenty years ago. There's been so many pictures and advertisements now. People have like learned about the national parks. So they're they're more crowded now than they used to be. Oh. Uh, but that was a big focal, that was a big focal point for us. I, I got into extreme hiking. So I hiked the John Muir trail when I was 50 years old. It's 220 miles with a, with a, a group of three other people. Done, Over 30, done quite a took bit of 13 hiking. days, right?
1: To, to do it? Or?
0: 13 days, 220 miles. Yeah. The last, the last six days, my, my group turned back. My group got out on day seven. I had to hike the last six days by myself. Alone? That's really another, that's, Yeah, that's another podcast probably, but uh, (laughs) yeah, that that trip alone, I kept a good diary on that day by day. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so just some of those type of adventures, once you've done them once or twice, you realize they're very achievable. Just have to plan for it, set aside money. And uh, we try to do now two big events a year. We, We did a Panama Canal Cruise in January of this year, but we just got back from a Transatlantic cruise uh, out of Barcelona on the oh. Symphony of the Seas, and I, I want to plug it because I think it's the best ship in the world. There was so many things to do, yeah. So just had a was great that, time, great time with that.
1: That was the name of the ship, or that Symphony was
0: the of the it? Seas. It's a Royal Caribbean. It's a Royal Caribbean ship, Symphony of oh, the okay. Seas. And it, yeah. it
1: where did it all did it go? Then it started
0: in Barcelona, and it it, it had like three stops, but Uh, we've been to all those stops before. The ship has so many unbelievable things to do. You could live on the ship and be happy. It was more of a, I call it, relaxation, spend time, work out, sleep, read, all those things that you really have decompressed. You know, some vacations, you need a vacation after the vacation's over with, right? Yeah. You work so hard. This is a vacation you I was truly redeemed. At the end of the vacation, you know, I'd really, um, in a, in a better place.
1: And did the ship have a pickleball court on it?
0: Three played every day. We played every day. Three courts enclosed. These ships now are really prepared for the onslaught. Uh, I would say there was 35 to 50 people that played during the cruise. So we had to kind of have alternate 12 on 12 off every 10 minutes, but it was great. Oh. Worked wow. that good. And I found pe- I found people from across the United States that were very close to my own ability. So we were able to like get our group of four and play and have I call it, you know, fun matches.
1: Well, yeah, I was gonna say you're you're at such a high level, but you were still able to find competition. Yes. There's okay
0: there's younger guys that are good and I found I found two or three guys and we would just meet up every day and say, Okay, we're playing three or four games together. Was kind of our fix.
1: That's great. Okay, I want I want to kind of just highlight some of the other trips. A lot of these are hiking, but they're just so incredible. I want I want to make sure I mention them. So, you've you've hiked the Inca Trail in Peru. You've twice hiked to the bottom and back of the Grand Canyon. You've hiked Mount Whitney, which is I think the is it the second highest peak in the United States.
0: So it's the tallest in the forty-eight. So you go to Denali to get higher in alaska but in the 48 states it's, not, it's the tallest peak
1: okay okay uh, it's fourteen thousand five hundred and five feet which i imagine yes sir you feel
0: when you're when yes, you're sir. hiking yeah. uh, i want to do it now
1: r- okay yeah <laughs> okay so you've done the half dome and yosemite twice which is a famous hike you did the buckskin gulch which is the longest slot canyon in the world it's in utah yep. what what yep. is a slot canyon
0: It's basically a canyon that has walls so high that once you're in the slot, you cannot climb out of the slot. So it's some of the best hiking in the world if people are willing to do it. There's a lot of smaller slots. Most of them are in Utah or Northern Arizona. You're not that far from there being in California. That's something you should. I can give you the names of several places to go that are not dangerous, but you're going to say this is one of the best things I've ever done, hiking that. Okay, Very close to that Buckskin Gulch, actually, same sort of trailhead. There's that place called The Wave. The Wave is the nicest place in my mind that I've ever been to, natural place. You have to win a lottery to go there. It's right outside of Kanab, Utah. Okay. So we won the lottery three times. So I've, I've taken all my family members there. Yeah, it's just an incredible, you'd have to Google it, The Wave, uh, Kanab, Utah. i just see some of the amazing pictures from there. Is that
1: a slot canyon, The Wave?
0: It's not, it's not a slot canyon. It's just oh, okay. an unusual rock formation, many different rock formations in that area. It's not just one place, but the most famous place you go, they, they basically take 10 people a day to go there. Okay. They monitor it carefully. If you're in there, you can get arrested if you did not win the lottery.
1: Okay, I'll have to check that out because that sounds like something to not miss.
0: Yeah. Yes, it's it's an item that you you just got to apply for it. You got to apply for it. I, I just applied for it until I won. And once I won, I was able to apply for it again and win twice more. Do you think you'll go again? I don't know.
1: That's a good question.
0: <laughs> Leave it um, open. Yeah, I almost feel like I know so much now that I could sneak in there illegally, but that would probably not be a good thing to do either.
1: <laughs> okay, well, we'll keep that open. And, and finally, to to round it out, I mean, you may have done more, yep. but this is all I know about. You did Mount St. Helens, which I think, I think it, I don't know if it was when I was a kid or before, but it, it was a active volcano.
0: Still is. Still, Still is. Yeah, it was very. It was a very snowy day, so we had to like really be, you know, it's it's pretty careful, careful hike, but achievable in one day. You know, how you know you start at early, but I, I'm not sure why I even put that on my my top thing. But it was a great day, and there's a lot of other things in that Mount Saint Helen area to do. There's other hikes too that are really terrific once you're in that area. But it's still, when you get to the top, it's still calving. I mean, there, the, the, it's still definitely very active smoke coming up out of it. And you get right over the edge and look down into it.
1: You can look down into the volcano?
0: Yes, absolutely. And
1: it's not, I mean, is, is ash still kind of flying around? Or? Smoke,
0: smoke for sure. Yeah. So it's definitely still, uh, rumbling, if you would.
1: <sighs> it's not dangerous. It's okay to do that.
0: We weren't the only ones that day and I had read a whole bunch of articles before I went. So is it dangerous? It's probably pretty, it's probably decently anything you do like that is is somewhat dangerous, but you, you, you do it.
1: Okay. I love, I love your, your attitude. Okay.
0: I mean, it's like hiking to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. There's a lot of signs that say, do not attempt to do hike to the bottom of the Grand Canyon in one day and I've done, it. you know, gone down twice. So yeah, I, yes, it's dangerous, but it's achievable.
1: Dangerous for someone who's not a pickleball champion. Maybe that's
0: how we can look at it. <laughs> <laughs> all those, all those things are in my review, mirror, brother. Uh, all those <laughs> hard hikes I did in my late forties, early fifties. So oh, okay. I'm probably not going to be doing too many of those as a retiree. Okay. Yeah, th- those were hardcore.
1: Owen, are you a proponent of goal setting?
0: You know, I was mentored. I don't know, maybe 26, 27 years ago, a guy gave me an idea of trying to categorize my goals. And I started doing it then. I put them under four categories, spiritual goals, family goals, athletic goals or activity, however you want to phrase that. And finally, travel goals. So each December, I'll sit down with my wife And I'll just kind of like, let's talk this through. Where are places that we want to go next year that we might can go? I said, let's put at least three or four of them down. I'll look at like in spiritual goals, maybe particular scripture that I want to read or a column of thing or a class that I want to take under athletic. How often do I want to go to the gym? And I'll just list those goals in those categories. And I try to like post that on the refrigerator so I can look, hey, what are my goals? How can I follow through with those goals? So that kind of kind of keeps me in check without being too overwhelming that I have too many goals. I try to give goals that I actually can achieve.
1: Oh, that's amazing. And I imagine if the goals are on the fridge, it makes it easier to not open the fridge and eat like <laughs> junk food. or something.
0: <laughs> That's a good point. Back to balance, right? You got to have a balance yeah. in life. Yeah.
1: Okay. Tell me. Do you consider yourself a happy retiree, and and if it, it seems that you do, <laughs> but can you tell me why and and how you got there?
0: First of all, for sure, right? my day to day is I, I wouldn't trade places with anybody with my day to day life. I think key is just balance. You know, I'm I'm a believer in Jesus. I think that's that, that's my priority. I have a good wife, and I know a lot of men aren't going to be able to say that, so that's a plus. I have things that I have in place now that no day I feel like I didn't get anything done and I, I'll go back on that question to make a statement when I first started staying home so I stopped my secular job at age 61 Scotty's with my wife, Scott. no it was I was a property manager for a little for after Scotty so oh, okay. uh, I worked 14 14 years after the 25 years. So I stopped that. And my wife said it maybe in the first month, she said, I'm not sure either you or me are ready for you to be home full time. Right. So I had to make that decision. Like I didn't want to go back to work, but I also knew that I had to find a balance with her. So then I, I went to her and I said, hey, I'm going to start doing this. We're going to start doing this together. And it's now, once we found our routines, you know, in that third or fourth month, we haven't, we haven't looked back. So now I'm in my, whatever, my fifth year and our day-to-day, again, I I say you have to have productive routines and not become a slug, right? You know, you got to do things. You got to find ways to help your community, help other people, go rake leaves, you know, whatever it might be, you find a purpose A lot of times I'll just call somebody and say, hey, if you know, if you know somebody's doing something, somebody's moving, somebody's doing uh, that needs help, call me. I'm available. And they do. And it just kind of finding a purpose, right?
1: Yeah, that's one thing we've found with our research is, you know, some, a lot of retirees or people who are going to retire think, well, happiness will just be because I don't have to go to work. But that doesn't really tend to turn out the way they think it's going to. You need a purpose and, and a reason. I mean, a retirement is just a change. It doesn't mean you stop doing anything. Yes.
0: Right? So I hate to use the word like when, cause that's not quite the right word, but I say you should try to plan your day and your week to have victories, to do wow. things where you did score, right? You put the ball in play. You got to first base. Maybe you didn't hit the home run ball. I think so many men, especially, and I'm not trying to be too gender specific, but if a guy's been in charge at his job and all of a sudden he's not in charge of anything, there's a big hole, right? So you have to find some ways to fill that gap by having some ways to have victory. And uh, whether it's through pickleball or whether it's through being involved with serving at the hospital, I'm just giving an example, doing something with your church you have to find cuz i know everybody's not going to play pickleball but they've got to find something to fill those gaps to have some of those victories if you would some of those wins or some of those even putting the ball in play i'm big on using the term we've got to make our life a good story so i'm i know my you know preface and introduction and my first 40 chapters are probably written. So what am I going to do in chapter 41? You know, I'm kind of really toward the end of the book, right? I could get hit my truck tomorrow, right? Or uh, get sick or, you know, but I want that last chapter, whenever that is, I want that to be a good chapter in the story. So that's how we got to view it, uh, right? We got to make our life a good story.
1: I love that. And and each day you're looking for that day's victory. That's how you succeed. Right. And that just automatically gives you a purpose. Yeah. Yes, sir. What does a perfect day look like for you? Today. (laughs) Wow. That's a great answer.
0: Today. So I had good night's sleep already. I saw one of my grandchildren play pickleball. Saw my wife coming back, hanging out with you, meeting someone this afternoon, hanging out with you. I mean, hanging out with you, that's a part of my perfect day. Um, Wow. Oh, I'm
1: honored. uh, Thank you.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm meeting someone this afternoon at two, go see my, my mother and father-in-law for about an hour and a half this afternoon between 4.30 and 6. My wife and I will pick a particular show that we're watching each evening. We'll watch that this evening together, have food. Yeah. Get in bed at nine o'clock. So yeah, today, today today's a an ideal day. I, I
1: love that. And I did want to, Touch a little bit on, I I forgot to elaborate earlier, but so you're taking care of, and I don't know how intense or not intense it is, but you're taking care of your, did you say your mother and father-in-law or did I?
0: Yes, my, my, my wife's parents, they're 91 and 93. So we moved them next door to us maybe almost three years ago. Okay. So privilege, so privilege, I got to take care of my, my mother before she died in 2014. And uh, I've also watched, been able to care for some other family members that are, have passed away. And now that's such a privilege. Plus I want to be a good example because I know I'm going to need my children to hopefully do the same thing for me one day. So I want to make sure that I'm like, you know, got a gold star in that area. So they'll, they'll know that's important. Yeah. Right. You know, I got I to gotta set the, the, the bar high for that.
1: Well, would you, and how was that? So you, I like the way you look at it as a privilege because I know that can be challenging. It's not always, you know, rainbows and, and ice cream cones. So there are some days Absolutely that can be kind not. of hard, right?
0: We're fortunate to have my wife's siblings that are also involved and we trade off time and they'll fly in, drive in to help in that process. They've done a fantastic job. I say it's a family unification thing because we get along with them. They know we're here living. We're the only ones that are close to them from a physical standpoint, but they all have their role. They're all in in different places, but they'll come in and help. But yeah, all sides of our family, my brother's side, my my wife's side, we all get along really well.
1: That is truly a blessing. And I imagine that makes it much more manageable even on those. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Okay. So when, when you retired, did you have a specific plan and, and if so, did you stick to it or did it change as, as time went on?
0: That's That's a good question. I haven't been asked that. I think I went to my wife and said, I believe our marriage ministry, even though it's very minimalistic, can support us without drawing any of our 401k. And we've been able to do that so far. I was going to start actually drawing my retirement at 66 and a half. And I'm right at that spot, you know, almost right now that I could do that, but decided to wait until I'm 70. There is an amazing percentage and it's all sorts of, you know, you can get all sorts of different ideas. And I know you've heard like, Hey, you should take it at 58 or you should wait till 70 and everything in between. Right. The way we viewed it, it wouldn't change our life if we started drawing our retirement right now. And which we wouldn't be doing anything else that we wouldn't already be doing as far as travel and what we're trying to accomplish. But the benefit percentage wise for her in the long run will be much better if I take my retirement at 70. Okay. So that factored in into how so I'm, I'm still not, quote, really retired yeah. in the sense of drawing my retirement. But I'm living I've been living the lies, to be honest with you, of a retiree since 61 years old. Um, as far as just not having a day-to-day responsibility other than you know my marriage weekends. and I, I am a pickleball instructor also. So I do make some oh. money, I sell paddles, I give lessons. So that would probably contribute several thousand dollars a year to our income. Yeah. I'm sponsored by a company uh, with with their paddles, a company called Engage, E N G A G E. They give me paddles. I'm able to sell them at a discount. They're they're close by. Their office is close by. A lot of the top pros in the in the world play also with the same paddle I'm playing with.
1: So you you don't build the paddles. You you endorse them. Is that or do you actually build
0: and them? It, I'm I'm an endorser. They don't really okay. care about me too much. I mean, they're they're happy they sponsored me, but. They care about the young players that they know they're 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 paying them actually money to play their paddle. Yeah, it's it's, it's a big deal. to if you watch any event, every commercial is about buy my paddle type thing. I, I know we may be getting off track with that. No, that it, lot this of is all fascinating.
1: So you, <laughs> I, I'm I'm fascinated too that so you're you're not even drawing from your retirement savings and you're still Correct. able to live. Well, we always want happy retirees to have multiple streams of income, especially as as they stop their primary working years. But it sounds like you do have that. So you're, you're drawing from your endorsement, giving
0: lessons,
1: I guess maybe regular non-retirement savings, or how, how are you able to pull it off?
0: So our payments are so minimalistic, right? No house payment, no car payment, that the money that we make from our ministry and pickleball Is able to take care of us. We didn't know our marriage ministry would succeed in that first year. We were only doing like eight to 12 events. What we did is expand it up to 15 to 18 events to make a little bit more money. So we we added some events for that. But so far... I feel like I say none of that is uh, me. I mean, I feel like God has opened those doors, you know, for us to be able to walk through. So uh, none of it's on our own our own ability. So that's when we decided I was definitely going to take my retirement at 66 and a half until things are so smooth right now that we just don't want to. We just can't yeah. wait.
1: You know, it's interesting. You're um, You mentioned Dave Ramsey. He just kind of started a firestorm because he was, he was saying people should be able to draw eight. Per, I think he said eight percent of their retirement savings. Here you are drawing zero and you're still living the life. So yeah, That's pretty I,
0: impressive. I have a decent. I have a decent 401k. I mean, it's not the greatest of all time, but it's quite a bit of money. And I really don't even can't even have a, a vision in my mind of when I would say I need to get some of that. Yeah, I mean, it's there and it's still growing. Obviously, it's invested like any anybody else would be. It's growing but I, I don't I don't know when I'll use it right now uh, because our income based on my retirement at 70 will actually be greater than what I'm making right now through our ministry and pickleball because I'll have a, a pretty decent lump sum money that will start at 70 because oh. it's the highest you can get, right? Yeah and, and, and then my you know part of the reason and I think people retirees need to hear this, Part of the reason I waited till 70, let's say something happens to me at 72. I, you know, I, I get cancer or whatever. I get hit by a truck, whatever happens, My wife's portion becomes my portion. Mm. So she gets this larger amount, larger than it would be a 66 and a half. Does that make sense? Her yeah. portion will be more. So if something did happen to me, it, it helps her out in the long run.
1: Well, that's very uh, responsible of you and selfless which i'm not surprised from the other things you've talked about i'm really glad you're able to to do that it, this is such a cool example we don't uh, you know i have never i haven't interviewed someone who has had this specific situation before so i want our happy retirees or aspiring happy retirees to hear what you're saying and consider that as they go forward would you say that in retirement and i think i know the answer but i'm going to ask anyway in retirement, have you felt more limitations or less? Define limitations. Well, things you, when you retired, are you, do you have less options in life or more options in life?
0: I would say that's going to change, you know, as far as uh, eventually my m- mother and father in law will pass away, right? So I'll have more freedom, you know, once they're, you know, that my obligation is not there for them. But I would say, I feel like I have less limitations than I've ever had in the sense of I can do what I want to do on a daily basis. I have to make good choices to not be lazy, right? I want to do, do things that are good. I want to be healthy. I want to be active. I want to try to help other people. And those are the choices that we've got to make. So I think my limitations are, are less now, you know, I, I had, you know, when you have a job, you have to go in and uh, you're responsible, you know, for that that person you're working for. And uh, now I have freedom. I can do what I want to do. I just yeah. have to make good choices in that freedom.
1: Oh, and and that reminds me, I meant to ask earlier, when, especially the job you had at Scotty's, you had a mantra that was sort of not being married to your job, working really hard, but actually working smarter than harder, if, if that makes sense you. You wanted to do a really good job and then leave and focus on what was more important to you, your family and your life. Do you have any advice for other people? I mean, maybe you could explain how you did that and what your mindset was.
0: Uh, Good question. (laughs) I think I wanted to inspire the team of people that were working with me. So I think we had a team of five other assistant managers below me. And we always said in our meetings, hey, we want to support each other. We want to work, you know, our our 45 hour work week, but we knew people that were working, you know, 60 and 70 hours that had the same job that we had. I asked our guys, I said, How many of y'all want to work 70 hours a week? Nobody raises their hand, right? No one's gonna right. volunteer for that. And I said, Do we wanna work 45? And everybody raises their hand. I said, Okay, we've got to uh you know, if we don't want to work long, then when we're here, we can't mess around, right? We got to make that a productive forty-five. I won't bother you when it's your time off, and you don't bother me when that's in my time off. We're we're basically watching each other's back, and it was very effective because they knew that if we didn't do it in the time that we had to do it, we had to work longer, right? So everybody's kind of yeah. inspired to get it done while they're there. They have a good work ethic, and uh, yeah, obviously. We kind of lost our work ethic as a country. That's another uh another subject probably three or four years ago that we're 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 trying to get get that back right. To me, if you just show up right now every day, you're probably gonna be president of the company after a while because you just showed up. Showing up is a big <laughs> a big part, but I see what you're saying, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's funny,
1: you you remind me a little of I was just watching um one of those Mission Impossible movies, the the Tom Cruise movies and He's, okay, He's climbing up some, maybe it's a slot can, I don't know. He's climbing up some rock and it's his vacation and a helicopter shows up and, and gives him the message of his job he's supposed to do. But I'm just thinking, it reminds That's me funny. of you saying like, I'm not at work. This is what I'm doing. You know, I, this is my real life right here.
0: Right, my view. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so maybe you're the Tom Cruise of the retirement world is what I'm saying.
0: That's funny. <laughs> I think we got to try to find things to, uh, that keep us adventuresome, right? Big thing. You know, you gotta, gotta look for those uh, the the things that I did in my, my forties and fifties, I can't physically do some of those things now, but there's still things I can achieve.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now you're a wily veteran.
0: (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: Well, do you have any advice as we wrap up here? Do you have any advice for other folks that are trying to be as happy as you are?
0: I would say try to find good mentors, read, study, you know, like these books that even your company puts out, you know, the success things, the five things, the 10 things. If people actually are disciplined, that's a key word. If you're disciplined enough to follow some of those things, you're going to achieve success of freedom a lot quicker than it would if you don't do those things. You know, all the commercials tell us, go get this, go buy this, go do this. And if we do that, we're just going to be piled up in debt and you gotta you know you gotta work to not have debt to have freedom to do the things that you want to do you know that that phrase uh you know you know live like nobody else if you live like nobody else right you you do the things where you can you know live and do what you want to do but it requires some discipline
1: well i can say you truly seem to live like no one else so i take my hat off i'm not wearing a hat but if i were i would take it off to you because bravo
0: (laughs) I appreciate you reaching out to me. It's been fun. So uh, let me know if I can do anything else with you, man. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Owen, thank you so much for being on the Happiest Retirees Podcast. It's been really great to talk to you.
0: God, God bless you.